Welcome to. That's the right way to start an episode. Welcome to. Can't tell this. Talking about children's <laughs> writing. Drives you to drink. Welcome. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so. <sighs> Aren't you glad you had me on the podcast? Uh, all the time. All the time. Um, okay. You've already done this, but let's just have you introduce yourself. Hi. You're listening to Can't Sell This, a podcast about creativity, creatives, and their process, with your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. I'm Sarah Beth Holden. I'm the co-owner of Red Tape Brewery here in Toronto. I'm also a children's author. I published my first book in 2020 called Please Don't Change My Diaper about a tiny human who thinks that the world is going to fall apart because the diaper change is looming. Spoiler alert, it keeps on turning. <laughs> and your 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 dog fi- figured heavily into it, or at least figured heavily into the He the did, and I think that that's part of what we're going to talk about, right? Well, like, I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's really cool is you and, and, and your husband Sean, who are partners in, in Red Tape Brewery. We're partners were in everything. Also a guest. Yeah. We were guests on a previous episode about Red Tape Brewery. But during that episode we touched on the fact that you'd written a novel or written a children's book and also were writing a second one. I am writing a second no, I wrote a second one. I just finished editing the second one. See? Timely. This is all very yeah. timely, I think. Yeah. We can even go back further in the, in the, we were taking a drive to where I was teaching Mm -hmm. because you were talking about opening a brewery right? and the plans were in place, but you hadn't actually done it. And while we were driving to the class I was teaching, you said, I'm writing a children's book. Right. You know what? I think I just (laughs) signed my publishing agreement when I think about the timing. Yeah. I had just signed my publishing agreement for my first book. Which demonstrates how long all of these things take. And isn't that weird? Yeah. Isn't that strange when you think like, because in my mind, like the book happened. Yeah. The brewery happened. Yeah. The pandemic is ongoing. Well, it happened. And used to, but it's, it's still like happening. This, these, all these things were consecutively eventful. Yeah. You know? So it was February 2019, I believe, when I signed my first publishing agreement. And we were driving out to the school mm-hmm. to talk about brewery assets let's call them yeah branding branding you know all these things were happening and it was like okay we got to do this let's do this yeah yeah let's go well and and that was that was one of the things that i had said uh in the episode with the about the brewery was uh, like you seem like a hustler like you seem like you really know how to hustle and get stuff done and just before we started recording you said i am just a I'm not a hustler when it comes to writing and, and, and publishing. Like, it's just not my gig. So I think we can definitively sort of figure out the hustle is business related. If you're, if you got to go find money, you know how to go find money. If you got to go find support, you know how to find support. If you have to find publishing and write a book, you're not quite as good at hustling in that regard. I mean, I guess I did sign two, bub- two publishing agreements, so there is some element of hustling there. It's just it's I'm just, trying to make a point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, if I had more time, I think that I could hustle harder on the book. Right. Books. Uh, it's going to be books. Right now, it's just one book. 
Um, well, no, you just finished the second. Yeah, I did just finish the second. And but what's the like, second called? Oh, it's called Benny the Bananasaurus Rex. Oh, my God. It's about See? a Tyrannosaurus Rex who eats so many bananas that he turns into one. Oh, my God. Don't move. His vision is based on movement. That's from <laughs> Jurassic Park. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> that That's a, an entirely adorable title, by the way. Oh, I mean, thank you, you probably know that based off of the I one. I think it's adorable. Like, it rhymes. I like things that it's rhyme. It's got alliteration, right? Yeah, like, uh, Please Don't Change My Diaper is a rhyming book. And that's what people love about it is that it rhymes. So, oh, okay. um, you know, Please Don't Change My Diaper is a preschool book. I think preschool is kind of the top end of the age group that we're targeting. Mm-hmm. It has really cute illustrations. My illustrator, she's a children's illustrator, but her her favorite genre of movies is horror. Okay. So as a children's illustrator, she doesn't get many opportunities to incorporate her love of horror into books, but she did with mine. So if you look at the cover, the little baby has his hands up and his eyes are really wide. You know, something is looming and it's right. the shadow. You can see the shadow of the diaper looming. And that's based on the classic horror film uh, movie posters. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's funny. I was thinking like, like as you said, I was like, does she, I wonder if she does like a, a thing where she does like kids kind of illustrations, but takes up, take off on movie posters. So yeah. that's, that's cool that that was a thing. What was it? What's her name? Uh, Emma Peterson, P E D E R S E N that and, kind of Peterson. And will she be your illustrator for the Bananasaurus as well? Yeah. So we're, we're going for a common look and feel. And so because the book came out in September 2020, you know, like peak yeah. 2020 COVID, um, we were able to get together at that time. And so we did an Instagram live uh, book launch because oh. we wanted to do a book launch. Nice. We wanted to do something. And it's yeah. like, how are we going to hustle this book? It's like, let's go Instagram live. So that was really cool. And we got a grant for it. So we had some beer and we had some cookies and it was a lot of fun. Um, so we met and one of the questions this the first time that we actually met was at the book launch we had never interacted before that other than to arrange to do this right like it it was is a very fascinating process this whole publishing a book through a publisher thing i mean i think publishing a book is really fascinating and just understanding the different ways to do it is cool right um so we met and one of the questions that I asked her during our book launch was like, Hey, do you think we're, we're the next Robert Munch and Michael Marchenko? She's like, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little, little movement of the shoulders there. <laughs> this is an audio podcast. <laughs> People can hear my shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because of the puffy vest. Yeah. Was that, was that through the publisher? So the publisher sent you a list of illustrators? Because one of, one of the things that I, and I and I'll, I swear to God, I'm going to let you try that, answer that question. But one of the things in talking to um, my, my friend John, who works at OWL, is he said, you know, you don't necessarily get to choose your illustrator. Most Not of the time all. they just say, here's an this illustrator that matches your voice and this is the way it works. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So um, November 2018, I believe, is when I submitted my original manuscript for the book. Okay. February uh, 2019 is when I signed the publishing contract. September 2019 is when I learned who the illustrator was. So I didn't have any say. Um, So then I just Googled her. I was like, oh, who is this? Like, I had no idea what her style was like. My publisher had asked me if there were any elements that I wanted to be incorporated 
into the illustrations. So my request included like a bald baby with green eyes. Right. Um, and a dog. Right. And then I sent pictures of my kid and the dog and her dog. Um, and that was it. (laughs) And so then I got to see the draft illustrations. So, you know, they put together all the spreads. Right. After you finish the editing and, you know, the editing process is a lot of fun because it can be weeks long and the story really morphs from there. So the original manuscript that I submitted for Please Don't Change My Diaper, I think it would have been about nine spreads. And in the end, it was 13, I believe. Okay. And it just added more. And so during the editing process, that's when it became a winter-based story. And we talked about, you know, the snow and then there's that element of being outside and it was a lot of fun right since it was written as a it's like a long poem or is it is it essentially like like a series of rhymes it's not a poem the rhyming kind of changes throughout the book okay which was also really interesting because the original manuscript didn't have rhyming consistently throughout which is something that i learned right like with children's books you don't want to have some rhyming spreads and then some non-rhyming spreads yeah and then so through editing, you cut stuff and you add stuff and just make it consistent. In that process, was it some someone just said like, you know, this should rhyme. You need to figure out a way. Oh, to my editor. It. Okay. That's yeah. what I wondered. Because you said it went from like 9 to 13 or yeah. 8 to 13. Like, is that part of the, you know, you could add this and that. And then let's write a rhyme about that. So it's a, it's a discussion about it. It was my first time working with a publisher um, and my first time working with an editor. Mm-hmm. And I love the process. And people have asked, you know, did you look at self-publishing? Did you consider self-publishing? And I kind of, you know, I had a brief thought about it, but I was like, I'm a, I'm a mom. I don't have time to kind of figure out all of this on my own. Yeah. So I was like traditional publisher and it, and it worked out. So working with an editor was great. And it's not like they rewrite things for you. They make suggestions. Mm -hmm. So can we add something here? What do you think about this? And just you know, they ignite something in your brain yeah. so that you can go, because it's still your story. You're still the writer. And I think that, you know, working with an editor is really, I think I work well with my editor and I'm sure that there are some people who don't jive with an editor and they switch. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. just because we're human beings. You're our fourth author that we've interviewed. And, and every time when they talk about the editing process, it's it's usually about, it's good yeah. because it's a, dist- it's a distillation of the overall thought. Yeah. And because you are the one that wrote it, you don't think along those lines. And it mm-hmm. requires someone who's outside of that particular bubble to help you figure it out. Yeah. Right? And you got to be welcoming of that too, right? Exactly. Like if you shut down. So with my second book, Benny the Bananasaurus Rex, originally I thought he was actually a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like picture a Tyrannosaurus Rex with these teeny tiny arms like on the counter of an ice cream truck with his big eyes looking up saying banana split, please. Or like a teeny tiny Tyrannosaurus Rex playing tennis. Right. (laughs) Sure. Why not? But my editor was like, what if he becomes a boy with a big imagination and he thinks he's a Tyrannosaurus Rex because that gives a lot more flexibility for illustrations. And it also engages with kids to activate their imagination. I was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. So that changed things too. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, uh, there was, I, there was some, there was one. It, was, it reminds me of the, where the wild things are. You know, exactly like a Maury Sendak kind of thing. Um, when it comes to uh, 
this is going to sound like a dumb question, but it is it is something that comes up because I have so many side projects that it, I, I know what it's like. And I, I think it's interesting to our listeners to have that kind of have the insight that you have a full life. You, you have a lot to do. Mm-hmm. So when it came to like writing the Bananasaurus Rex, did, did you find that you were just like, okay, I'm just going to shut this off for a while and I'm going to go do this instead? Like, did you have to carve out time or did you just find time here and there to, to, to worry about it? To so do I work kept on the it? original piece because it, it just, it came up in my brain. So I was coloring with my, with my kids and you know, those like Crayola color wonder books where they're like the markers that don't mark on oh, furniture yeah. sure. or anything. Like mm-hmm. you have to have the special paper and it's like clear ink or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wrote it with that. Oh. Because I was like, I need to write this down. Right. And so I wrote it down. <laughs> and then it it just evolved from there. But I wrote it on, I wrote it on a wall. And, and it just doesn't show up. I don't know what, <laughs> and now I can't find the original manuscript. <laughs> I wrote it on it's a pot lid. It's like both books have been a, I need to drop everything I'm doing right now and write this down. You know, people with kids can obviously identify with that kind of mentality of like, I just, I just have to do it. Like, hey, friend, I need to have a moment and go yeah. off and, and take care of it. Like it's even, worth facing the consequences of having to clean up poop off the floor <laughs> or, you know, hearing something crash and knowing that you're going to have to clean it up. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually pretty happy. Our kids are a bit older. Like my, <laughs> my kid is in high school and my other, my daughter is, is, is playing on her iPad and neither one cares what I'm doing right now. So yeah, there is something very refreshing about that. Um, do you, when you first got that, uh, please don't change my diaper. What was Ray really re- receptive? So your son who the book was essentially like themed after was it, was he really receptive to it? Has he seen himself in it at all? He was two and a half when it came out. Um, and I was really excited because, you know, the box of the author copies came in the mail. Yeah. And I mean, it was the middle of the pandemic and we had a, we had a little baby, like he was what, five months old at the time. Mm-hmm. So we read it and he enjoyed it, but we haven't really talked about it being him. Right. Yeah. Maybe when he's a little bit older. Um yeah, I mean, he's he's three and a half now. He's almost four. He said this really cute thing this morning. He's at this point where his vocabulary is changing and he's starting to form really cool thoughts. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for an iPad this morning because he wants to play on it in the car on the way to daycare. And I'm like, maybe it's in the car. And he said, it must be in the car. Oh, and it was just be. so mind-blowing to me that he knows the word must. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, as far as the reception of of the book, the first book, were you pleasantly surprised by the reception, or, or you I'm know, blown away? I yeah. think it's with anything, any project that you put out there. There's that anxiety that you get. It's like I'm putting a piece of myself out into the world. Yeah, like I'm gonna for any creative thing, any right? creative thing. You know, there are gonna be people who love it, people who are polite, and people who are gonna hate it. Yeah, <laughs> and people who don't necessarily have an opinion, but still want you to think they hate it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Having just gone through that <laughs> myself, <laughs> like you don't really hate that, do you? No, I just want you to feel bad. You know, Which I got how- we got a message at the brewery today of someone who uh, needed to tell us that 
because we posted a picture of a dog in the brewery on the Instagram that they won't be coming there and wanted to share with us about how their comments that they won't be going to a brewery because they allow dogs in there are received and he takes offense or I'm assuming it's a he I have no idea ah. um, <laughs> let's assume so <laughs> but it's it's you know like people need people need to say things and and that's okay yeah you know I think my my first comment to that to the person that had the negative thing to say I just said you know this you can just mute or unfollow me that's totally fine and yeah. they, they reacted sort of poorly and then I said it's not an airport you don't have to announce your departure you know and it <laughs> There is a certain point, though, when in the case of, I would assume, in an author uh, mm-hmm. scenario, if someone has something to say, you need to be at, at least a representative of your book so that, yeah. yes, I understand you may, may didn't, maybe didn't like that book yeah. or hopefully you'll like the next, you know, but it's, 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 a, it's such an intri- intricate dance to, exactly. to figure out. I also remind myself, this is my first book mm-hmm. and... Um, I think it's great. It's adorable. It's for a very specific age group. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and but the great thing is through like promotional activities because it was all COVID, everything was online. Yeah. And I would say my favorite promotional gigs were with the early on centers. So early on are like Head Start programs or okay, you know, different activities that are available to families with young children just so they can like do things right and so i did this one session with one group and there was a little girl and she was probably three or four years old and you know those little kids who are so articulate and so emotional and like engaged this little kid came up and she was just like i love your book it's my favorite book and then she i was like what's your favorite part market (laughs) so she grabs the book and she flips open to her to her favorite page and she opens it up and she shoves it towards the camera she's like this one oh that's amazing that's amazing and it was it it made everything worth it yeah you know it wipes away so much exhaustion who cares about those three star reviews like this is a 10 star review right here yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) it it offsets so much right yeah target market likes your work and has the book been translated into a few different languages? It's been translated into Inutitut. So mm-hmm. Inhabit Media, who's my publisher, they're an Inuit-owned publishing house. Okay. They have offices here in Toronto and in Iqaluit, the capital of Nunavut. And so my mom's first language is Inutitut, and she happens to speak 13 different dialects. Right. Because of the work that she did um, in Ottawa, she learned so much. And so whenever we got the edits for Inutitut, they were sent to me. And I speak like preschool level Inutitut. I can get by, I understand, but I can't have a full conversation. So whenever they sent the syllabics to me, which is the writing system, they were like, oh, do you have any comments? Can you get them back to us in three days? (laughs) I was like, like, oh my goodness. (laughs) I was like, mom, I need your help. So that was a really cool part of the process is sitting down with my mom and talking through the translation and areas where she was like, no, we can't say this this way. Like that doesn't really make sense. So she was looking at the at it from the perspective of, you know, her uncle would be reading it right to a three year old. Exactly. <laughs> Let's assume. And so it needs to have that like smooth rhythm, just right, like it would yeah. in English. So, and it also taught me a lot about the language. So as we're going through, you know, there's a part in the book where it says, um, "Everyone is here to my great delight." Okay. And delight isn't something that really translates to Inutitut. And this became a whole conversation because, like, 
Inuit culture is a survival culture. Right. You know, it's a very harsh climate. And just the way of communicating is very different. So there are no like superlatives where it's delightful. Yeah. yeah. But you want to come, you want to express that that person is really happy. So it's, it's just very different, which was interesting and a good learning experience. Did you find a way working with your mom? Did you find a way to still have kind of a rhyming structure to the, to the various spreads? People ask me that and I didn't really pay attention at all. (laughs) Okay. As long as the message was clear, right? Yeah. And and was true to the nature of both the book book and the the language, language. right? Like Like that's what matters the most. Yeah. To me, it was more important to have a a very readable book in the second language. Yeah. There was a typo in my name on the cover. In in Inuktitut? Yeah. Because (laughs) I, I did a combo... Because, like, in Inuitut, none of my, like, uh, unilingual Inuitut-speaking family members know me as Sarah Beth. Oh, okay. They know me as Mitukala. Okay. And so there's, like, a final... The way that Inuitut works with the syllabics is there's, like, the the symbols, and then there's the finals. The finals are the smaller versions of the symbols. Okay, yes, I think And I so that just you. gives it, like, kind of shorter stops. Um, okay. So there, it was missing a final. And I was like, oh my gosh, I published a book and there's an error, a spelling error in my name. <laughs> but, but with the rest of it, fine. The rest of the fine. Ah, then who cares? <laughs> I mean, your, your new name it's is not... It's just me, It's something entirely different. It's like whale bone or something. Um, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. And do you have copies like of both languages that I could buy? Yeah. Then I have an idea, okay. listeners. I am going to give away a pair of both okay. English and the Inuktitut translation of the so book signed by the author. Okay. I can do that. If you can answer Sarah Beth's question. And Sarah Beth is going to come up with a question by the end of the episode. We're not there yet. Okay. We're not there yet. So she's going to think of something to ask and it will have been part of this episode. Okay. Or potentially part of the red tape episode. Oh, you have you have spent a good long amount of time being on the sort of I was going to say red tape, but on the dotting your eyes and crossing your T's and with with bureaucracy, mm-hmm. right? Like finding money for various organizations and for yourself for for red tape and whatever. I'm a hustler, a hustler, but a business person, like a, like doing business. You know what I mean? Do you find that the the author work is is, is a great creative outlet for you because you also like you definitely you know, yoga and whatnot but I don't do a lot of yoga these of days I well, <laughs> <laughs> well you're sitting very comfortably compared yeah. to me um but so so yeah so you would say that the the author work is it gets that creative the creative juices flowing for you there's definitely you know some creative element of my brain that just needs to get out so the author piece definitely is and kind of anything I like to try new things I think you're very similar in that you know, it's like, oh, that looks really cool. I want to try that and see how it turns out. And mm. if it works out, awesome. If it doesn't work out, like... At least I tried it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like on Saturday, I did a sewing workshop and I made a natike, which is like a pullover, like a, a mid-season jacket. Oh. And we had six hours. Quilted. I think an Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> we had six hours to do it. I had arranged, you know 
for my mom to take care of my kids so I could do this. And it was the first time in, in quite a while where I had this uninterrupted piece of time wow. to be re really creative, like six hours. That's so much time. And then I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, we have an hour and 15 minutes left. So I cut out part of the project and the instructor was like, oh, I can help you do this. I was like, no, no, no. I've already made up my mind. Like I want to get this project done. It's going to get done. And I was so happy with that. I wore it today. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, creative outlets, you know, writing, well, sewing. So, so much of, so, so much of parenthood is just giving mm -hmm. to your kids. You know what I mean? Like, like you go, we're going to do painting. And so you get all the painting stuff out and you let them paint and then you stand over them going, could you please not paint on the cushions? You know, like, <laughs> or we're going to do baking and it's mostly just like, we're going to follow the recipe and I'm going to hand you stuff and you're going to mix them up as best you can. So a lot much of, of it is comment because like on my Instagram, I post a lot about my kids baking. Right. And I always, I realized what works for me is doing a mise en place. So preparing, measuring out all the ingredients beforehand and putting right. them into containers, you know, like everyone had takeout at some point or another during COVID and we happen to keep those plastic containers what? that it came in. Takeout? <laughs> and so I use those yeah. and they love it. And so then, you know, I write the ingredients cause they're, they're learning letters. Sure. And so it's like, okay, what's this? Um, and I find that just makes baking with toddlers a little bit easier. And that's, that's actually a really good solution. Cause otherwise, you know, I remember baking with, uh, my son when he was three and, and handing him a, a measuring cup and going fill that up and then like he would it would just come out like you know mounded over and i'm like yeah. no it has to be less than that well you said fill it i'm like okay I, you're not wrong you know i wish i had or, done that or leaving a bag of flour out while you go and get the baking powder because right. that doesn't end well ever no well it's very fluffy <laughs> <laughs> now that you've written two books are you interested in keeping going with the authorship or are you are you sort of seeing it as like i did that i'm going to try this or are you finding now that you've done that are you more welcoming of your creative side so for a variety of things obviously the sewing thing is probably a good example of that mm -hmm. i think just the way that the two books happened so as a parent you get really into certain things with your kids like mm -hmm. you say with art it's like okay we're gonna do this at this time and it's that planning and scheduling and everything of what you're going to do with your kids takes up a lot of time and then they they show an interest in something dinosaurs for example yeah. bananas for example and that just becomes your life like legos blocks Yep. I have to go to the grocery store. I have to buy bananas. Oh my gosh, we're out of bananas. Oh, those bananas are spoiled. I have to put them into the freezer. Oh, I have so many bananas in the freezer. I have to make banana bread. You see where I'm going and where Benny the Banana Source Rex came from. I think so. From. Yeah. So it's, you know, whenever you get immersed in something and that creative part of your brain is just itching to get out, that's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of writing, I think... I will continue. I think it's really cool and like writing stories because I always make up stories with my kids. Today we were in the car and my three and a half year old was like A B C D E moo, <laughs> and he just thought it was the funniest thing. Oh yeah, no kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I've started working on another book that's not for this age range, which surprised me. And again, it just came out one day. I was sitting at my desk and I happened to have paper and I think I was working on my taxes or something. And and this is problematic because I'm like, I I need to get my taxes done. But at the same time, I need to get this out of my brain and onto paper. Yeah. Um, So it's more of like a young adult uh, kind of adventure book. But I don't know where that came from. You know, in my conversation with uh, Christian Cantrell, the the last episode, what he what happens to him? He says, "I don't I don't put down the thought right away. I wait and see if it keeps coming back." You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that happened with like the vampire short story, I, I self published because why wouldn't I? Um, because I've got time to figure <laughs> that stuff out. Um, I didn't write it for for like six to eight months. Like I just, you know, it hit my hit my head, and I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then I left it alone, and it hit mm-hmm. me again. I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then like six months or eight months later, I was like, I gotta write this down. You know, mm-hmm. like it had it had just enough tenacity in my head that that it didn't just go away because of all the things that pop into my head. Yeah, eighty percent of them aren't worth the yeah. trouble. And I used to be that person that would like wake up with a pen and write it down in my book yeah. and then wake up in the morning and go, what was that? You know, <laughs> and there are, and that's, those are, those are very different types of uh, inspiration, but you know, I mm-hmm. totally, I totally get where you're coming from. I should start keeping a pen and paper by my bedside table. What am I talking about? I have toddlers. No, I would end up with pen on the wall. don't keep anything. <laughs> and the worst part is, is that the other option is to like, you know, Hey Siri, record this for me. It would be like you going dinosaur and and then it would just be like six hours of you sleeping. You know, I don't know. You started talking, then you fell asleep. Siri, just only record me for fifteen seconds. I don't understand. Quiet Siri, quiet Siri. I'm going to sleep. Um. When it comes to, um, you know, we we joke a lot about the work-life balance and there is no balance when you're self-employed and entrepreneur. How are you, uh, how are you holding up? I bought a Peloton. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those book book money, eh? (laughs) It's cheaper than therapy. Um, Pre-kids, I was very active. Yeah. I cycled everywhere. I did stand-up paddleboarding. I snowboarded. I did yoga. I taught yoga. I was very physically active. And uh, especially during the pandemic, you know, after my first kid, I, I took up running. And I would I had a run stroller, and that was really great. And I would, you know, meet up with people, and I would do run to beer. And I, I loved it. And that was something. And I was still able to do yoga and we did mom and baby yoga mm-hmm. and I, it was great but with baby number two you know he he arrived February 2020 and we all know what happened after that so it was pretty restricted and and I lost that that ability to just be active because we're so busy with two kids yeah I was like and this summer I got a taste of activity again I was like oh I gotta get back on it and I was like how on earth am I gonna make this happen so I got a peloton um because it is cheaper than therapy. And yeah. I don't have benefits because I'm self-employed. Well, there's, 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 there's no physical health benefit to therapy. There's yeah. there's mental health benefit, which is great, yeah. obviously. But uh, you don't... 
You don't, you don't sweat. You don't sweat. I unless, like to sweat. Unless you're admitting to some crazy stuff. <laughs> we don't use crazy in this house, thank you. No, we use it all the time. <laughs> um, but I think I, I totally agree. I, it, you know, we Libs, um, Libs bought a, a trainer and she has that in her space. And now, you know, she's like, I just get on that and do yeah. 30 minutes. I'm like, that's really good. What am I doing exactly? You know, I'm yeah. going up and down the stairs in my house as much as I can just because like that's going to have to do, you know? <laughs> Um, uh, the second book is going to be, is there a time frame for that? Fall 2022. So because of the, uh, it's because of COVID. Be, okay. everything is delayed. So the first book, it was supposed to be about 15 or 16 months from publishing agreement signature to publishing. And in the end, I think it was 18 months, 19 months, 19 wow. months. Um, and then with COVID, they just gave me a heads up like, hey, we want to sign this. But due to COVID, we're delayed on this, this, and this. So we won't be able to bring it out until fall 2022. Oh, wow. And it being done writing doesn't mean there's still editing. There's still illustration. There's still all so that stuff. So we finished editing. Oh. So now is when they'll start the illustration. Okay. So I'm assuming in a couple months, I'll see draft illustrations before they put color to it. And then they'll take it to do whatever they need to do right yeah did emma share with you any of the original illustrations before they had been placed with you know shrunk down and made into pages of books like did you get to do i you saw have the drafts yeah. oh, oh she did she for please don't change my diaper yeah yeah for please but emma and i didn't speak directly we had no contact until we were okay. getting ready for the book launch okay so you weren't like buddies or anything at that point. That's right. You, no, you we didn't talk at it's all. It's funny because like, because in my head, I'm like, when when I studied illustration, it was one of the things when you're creating a layout, you're yeah. creating a piece of art that then gets fit into something. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, oh, well then uh, would you not have just said like, hey, can I have that page? Like the original painting from that? Because yeah. it would, because it's all, but I guess it right. would have been digitally done, which is the big, big difference, right? Yeah. I think it's all digital. I'm not, I didn't even ask her that. You should ask. So Emma works with the art director and I work with the editor and then the editor and the art director work together. Never the twain shall meet. Never. That's a, that's, it's a little sad. It's a little sad. It's a little bit sad, but it's a little bit magical. I think we're, I think we're coming up to the end. There's two things I want to talk about. And, and, and honestly, it's it's the, the, the most trite, and I don't want to actually ask this because it's the most trite question. And, and honestly, the answer is always just, just do it, mm-hmm. right? Because the question is, do you have any advice to people who want to write? It's like, just do it. Mm-hmm. I think the question, um, it's more of an observation and, and, and maybe you can agree or, or expand on it. I think the thing with a creative outlet is always to have people that can provide honest input. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily uh, back you up on everything, oh, yeah. but give you honest input, yeah. right? <laughs> oh yeah, because you can write garbage and then and but still have someone go like, "That's amazing." Yeah, but you want someone to go like, "Well, no, that's there's good. a lot of people pleasers out there." So with "Please Don't Change My Diaper," I read it out loud to anyone who would listen, anyone. And I would be like, oh, so what do you think? And I would watch their faces as I, as I read it to kind of figure out where I could tweak it. And this was before I submitted it to my publisher because I thought it was really good. But I knew that there was there was something I could tweak. And there always was. 
And so once I felt satisfied, then I was just my mom. Mm -hmm. Because my mom is my biggest supporter, but she's also my biggest critic. And, sure. And I love her for that. So she was like, oh, that's funny. Like, she, she chuckled. Oh. And so the thing about, like, please don't change my diaper, was it's funny. Like, for adults, it's entertaining. Um, so then once, once I read it to her and I felt confident... Then I submitted to the publisher. Okay. And so that's where that went. So I did the same thing with Benny the Banana Source Rex. And um, that that also worked out for me. So I was really happy with that. Even though, you know, things are going to change after it gets to the editing process. So as a first-time author, who's also someone who likes to talk. You know, yeah. I'm a maritimer. And I always joke that I have a sign on my forehead that says, tell me your life story in 30 seconds or less. And so, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me about the publishing experience and I've had people, you know, kind of, you know, I, I wrote this book and I'm just not sure where to go and right. I'm not sure about it. So I'm like, well, do you want to read it to me? And so they will read it to me and, yeah. you know, I'll give feedback very similar to what my editor has done or just something that I would say to to someone in my life who if they're asking for advice going into the world and putting the, themselves out to the public. Yeah. And I think that putting yourself out to the public is something that not everyone is used to doing. And we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, you know, there are always going to be people who want to voice it and you're not for everybody. You're never going to be for everybody. Yeah. But there are certain things that you need to take into consideration, you know, in the age that we're living in and, you know, racism, um, classism, all sorts of things. And it's just like, look at your story and think about, you know, if if I was in a different socioeconomic situation, how would I feel about that? Mm -hmm. um, if I was a person of color, if you're not a person of color then how would I feel about that? Right. Or, you know, just there's, you know, the have and the have nots and it's just good to be considerate and think about, think about your writing as a human if you're doing children, children's illustrations because these are, or children's books because like your target market is teeny tiny humans and yeah. ultimately you want to teach them to be good humans. Like mm. you don't want to raise an asshole. So if you're putting a book out there for children, don't be an asshole. Right. Yeah. Because no one's going to want to buy it. Luckily, this uh, episode is not for children. <laughs> 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 Nor has it ever been. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's 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 such a it's such an interesting thing. I think because the entire podcast about creativity that that I'm always discussing the creative process and, um, you know, putting yourself out there is a it is a less daunting task when you're constantly doing it. Mm -hmm. And I, I For you know, sure. that is the second book must have felt just a little bit easier. It did feel a little bit easier. Like, Not necessarily in writing it, but in, in talking about it and like pitching writing it. it, talking about it and having an idea of where I wanted to go with it. Yeah. It's like, okay, I did, please don't change my diaper. There are certain things that I don't love about it. And I wanted to have something a little bit more accessible to yeah. a little bit broader of an age group because please don't change my diaper is very limiting. Super, super specific, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Benny the Bananasaurus Rex, like that's a bigger age group. Yeah. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. You know what? Uh, this may not end up in the episode, but I had written a, a Christmas poem mm -hmm. and 
a four-hour Christmas episode three years ago or two years ago. Must have been three years ago. Anyways, I brought my friend John, uh, who's an editor for Owl, mm -hmm. and I let him read it. And I was like, read this, read this poem. You're going to be a guest on this episode. And I want you to read this poem. And his response was, poetry's hard. Like, not just, <laughs> not just like I read it and I have notes. It was just poetry is hard and didn't really give me anything else in terms of feedback. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly, I think, you know, let's be honest, writing a poem is difficult. I'd written a long poem about Christmas. Mostly, but it was called Santa Quits, which I'm happy to share with you. But the funny thing was, is while he's sitting in my in my basement we're recording the episode i read it to him and after i read it he goes you know i think i was a little bit hard on you because hearing it in your voice is so much e mm -hmm. like it's i can feel i can hear the way you wanted it read yeah versus like just reading it because you read the way you read doesn't necessarily mean you're going to read in the cadence that the author meant yeah. and it was one of the things when you said you'd written in in a in rhyme that I wondered about whether it was a full-on poem right. Right from the start to finish or if it was like broken down into little pockets of poetry. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was curious because of that, you know, poetry's hard. Like if you're going to write a full poem, that cadence matters all the way through. If it's pockets of poetry, it's way easier, right? Yeah. It's almost like a limerick. Not to not to downplay a limerick. Limericks are great. <laughs> but I didn't write a limerick and it sure is hard to write a long poem. Um, I am going to, I'm going to make the offer of the the books. I'm okay. going to say, we're going to give away two books, a pair of books, a pair of books, to one, one book in two different languages, one book in two languages, because then you may learn something. Yeah, you might <laughs> learn something. You might not. There is like an online glossary, and we can put a link in your podcast. Yes, we, right? we certainly can in the show notes. Yeah, to which is like an online tool for you know where you can kind of figure it out that's amazing okay yeah so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna buy two books uh -huh. i'm gonna get you to sign them mm -hmm. uh they may not necessarily be inscribed to the person that gets the books but it's it a possibility thank you so I much right across the street well so. that is also true it's a big yeah. commitment the last time i offered I to get books just for the cancel list listeners the last time i offered to get books signed the person that won it it was in the middle of the pandemic and the author was like i do not want you near me at all <laughs> Not necessarily because it was me, just that I want to be locked in my yeah. house. So that's, and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But we're going to do that. So the question we have is, is, what was the school where Hugh and I started this journey of red tape branding and booking? And the only way you're going to get that is by listening to the Red Tape Brewery episode, which is like three or four episodes back. Maybe do you have even episode five. numbers? Yeah, not on me, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're actually going to have to, you can go to the website, cancelthispodcast.com, and there's a search bar. You can look up Red Tape Brewery, duck, 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 and it'll duck. be there. Or in the show notes for Sarah Beth's episode, which would probably be cancelthispodcast.com slash Sarah Beth hyphen Holden. Um. There'll be a link to that episode too. I yeah. think that's a good. I think that's a good question because mm -hmm. it's like, 
it forces real listeners yeah. <laughs> to do more work <laughs> and listen to more episodes. Listen to more episodes. Listen Why don't you more subscribe? Episodes. It's a good podcast. <laughs> and you get to meet Sean in the Red Tapery podcast. It's true. Sean was very confused as to why I was coming here tonight and not him. He's like, what about me? Oh, did he write books? No. Ha! There we go. Because <laughs> I've already asked him about beer. He just makes beer. No. Yeah. He's a lovely person, but he did not write any children's books. It's true. So that's the deal, listeners. You go listen to the uh, Can't Sell This Podcast episode on Red Tape Brewery, and the answer will be there, which is what school was I taking Sarah Beth to that started this whole thing. What was the school for two books? Yeah. And then you email Hugh at Can't Sell This Podcast dot com. Yep. I was going to say admin at can't sell this podcast.com because admin at can't sell this podcast.com is the email I don't look at very often. No one ever looks at the admin account. But I will look at Hugh at can't sell this podcast.com. You put it there so you know where your visa bills go. And if I respond to you saying, sorry, that prize has already been claimed, I am sorry that prize has already been claimed. But it means someone else got some books. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Sarah Beth, as the, as the construction me. really gets underway yeah, outside. It's happening. Not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> I really, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out. I know that, that as a busy parent and business owner, it's not easy. Yeah. Thanks, Sean, too. He's with our babies. Thanks, Sean. They're not sleeping. I promise. No. But thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'll do something else cool so you have me again. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content in this episode is copyright Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Questions or comments can be emailed to admin at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Music for the podcast is provided by Not Of. Find Not Of at notof.bandcamp.com. Opening and closing voiceover provided by jeffwright.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, a like in whatever platform you use goes a long way to helping the podcast get noticed. Thanks for listening and keep creating. It was you.